Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, a podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I'm alongside, as always, the incredible, the edible, the spreadable, Casey Clapp. Good afternoon, everyone. It's a delightful day here in the great Pacific Northwest, Mm -hmm. the kind of day that you think, I live in the Pacific Northwest. That's right. It is extremely blustery and windy mm-hmm. rainy. Uh, and rainy and cozy, I yeah, must say. Quite mild, though. I was outside and uh, I wore a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah wow. I, yeah. And then the other thing, um, we were talking about this right beforehand. So my aunt, you I don't think you've ever met her. No, I have not. Yeah. Her name's Marty. She has a, she has a podcast. I can't believe like we're both this, this, this silly, singy family. She's an <laughs> artist. She's a musician. I, I told you this, that my uncle, he also plays uh, the bass guitar. Yep. And I told him, I was like, ah, listen, Andy, I can't sing. And he laughed at me right in my face. And he's oh, like, you're a clap. Of course you can sing. <laughs> Is this the guy who also like makes amps? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He makes amps from scratch. Really and like, cool. Puts them together. Super cool uh, folks. Um, my whole side of that family. My grandma's a music teacher. Um, but so she's got this podcast called Marty's Music Kitchen. And I totally, I, I'm remiss. I failed to put it together that she's just putting a, she's putting together a cookbook right. um, based on this podcast, which is her, she like finds these local musicians and before the pandemic, they would get together in her kitchen or in their kitchen, make a meal while listening to music and discussing music things. She's, huh. a, she's a jazz musician. A jazz singer, um, so she's putting together this uh, this cool cookbook, and uh, it just came out uh, last month. So everyone should go check it out. We'll put a link. Um, but it's a it's a cookbook, and I figured, well, shoot, we're doing an entire episode. This yeah. is now our final episode, Alex, about food and food trees. So now you can also go get a cookbook about food. We're not going to put a cookbook together. Our, hmm? our, uh, well, huh? <laughs> we, Alan, I just saw just, just a little <laughs> spark in your eye. Oh my God. Anyway, Marty's Music Kitchen, the cookbook. It's great. My aunt, she's a lovely, lovely singer. You should also look at her website. Sweet. Shout out to Marty. There you are. Uh, Casey, we have a fantastic tree to talk about on our season finale. The ultimate episode. Alex, not only is that, this what? is our, um, our and our annual finale. I was gonna say sure series um, finale, but that doesn't. That's not quite right. Not quite. Uh, what would you call that? Our mm. uh, let's call it an annual finale. Let's sure. call it that. There you go. Our anniversary finale. Yes, our anniversary <laughs> Uh This is our forty eighth episode, which means a uh, mainline episode, not yes. to count the patreons, exactly. which means that we have been doing this for a fucking year, Casey. Wow. Uh, I believe one time you said, I thought maybe we'd do four or five episodes, it would peter out, and yeah. then, uh, then we'd go back to our lives. 
Yeah. Oh, how the times have changed. <laughs> I'm locked in for the long term. Yeah. I mean, I have never done, I don't want to, I don't listen. I've never done anything for a year. Truly. And no, no creative project I've ever worked on that is meant to be sustained has ever lasted a full fucking year. Wow, really? Uh, this is a big accomplishment for me. It's, I mean, for everyone. I've never done a creative project, period. Well. So this is great. I, I mean, this is, right, I'm stunned that we're still here. And if and, you told me a year and a half ago that my, my, most, my most well-known creative project would be a podcast about trees <laughs> with Casey... <laughs> I'd be stunned. Yeah, you'd be like, that's false. Yeah. Incorrect. Well, Casey, speaking of... Oh, may I say real fast? You may. Congratulations, my friend. I would like to reciprocate that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And thank everyone for supporting us. We're, we're pretty stoked that everyone likes this. Yeah, right? It's great. That's I, really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. I think we talked about this with the Creative Mornings talk we did about six months ago, mm-hmm. uh, where we're like, man, we are, the community that, that is kind of has coalesced around this is stunning. Just, yeah. Uh, it's the most amazing thing, and especially because it feels like we're actually kind of making a difference. People are like, hey, I'm actually recognizing trees now. I didn't know who that tree was. You yeah. Know? asking questions or getting information out there. We're having a good time. And apparently we're not very abrasive people. So a lot of people are like, this is nice to listen to. Yeah. Well, Casey, today we're talking about a great tree, a season, a, a tree worthy of a season finale. I think so, yeah. Casey, today we're talking about a tree called the cacao tree. Cacao. Cacao. I had to look that up, Alex, because I wasn't sure. I'm like, is that is that cacao? Is that how they say coco? Cocoa? Oh, right. What exactly is this? It the, was very confusing. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, it turns out if it is the tree or the like unripened stuff, the seeds that are not made into things, mm-hmm. they're called cacao. K a k u h. Cacao. K u h. Yeah, K-U-H. did I do that right? Did I say that right? Let's. Anyway, Google said Isn't it's it pronounced cacao. Yeah, but this is like, sorry, the phonetic uh, oh. things. They always do K's instead of C's. Yeah. I missed that. Sorry, sorry. Cacao for the tree, cacao for the seeds before they're processed. Once they're processed into a powder-like thing, again, we'll get to this, uh-huh. cocoa. How about that? Yes, or if you're in, uh, in Britain and you say cacao, a lot of times they just say it cocoa, and they kind of use them interchangeably. It's very confusing, Alex. Oh, sure. Well, we're going to get into all that, but first, Casey, let's imagine that you and I are walking through a a rainforest. Yeah. uh, And we come across a cacao tree. Oh, what a world we live in. Oh, it's so beautiful. Let's ID this tree. Let's do it. So first off, we are talking about Theobroma cacao. Yeah, Theobroma. Theobroma, broma. Broma. Theobroma means uh, fruit of the gods. That's mm. that's exactly what uh, what the Theobroma initially stands for. Okay. So it literally means that. And on top of that, oh. the word chocolate uh, is it comes from an Aztec word, which is really fun. It's like a axcoatl, a sacatl. Sacatl. It's very hard. They're, the pronunciations of those are very difficult for me. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think they're that easy for yeah. most people. Okay, good. The Aztecs probably had it down. Yeah, but they yeah. knew what they were talking about. <laughs> right? Literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. you get out of here. <laughs> Theo Broma Theo from theocracy Theo, theology God. Yeah. Uh huh. And Broma. Uh, Broma. I think it means food uh, of some kind. That's What's another word that's like? That Ooh. might come from that. Ooh, uh, bromeliad. 
Sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I just made it up. <laughs> but that is uh, that is what the etymology um, is uh, is officially. So it is the food food. It is the food of the gods, Alex. Wow. And this is, uh, this I think seems accurate. And if you look at a photo of the tree, you can kind of see why it seems like a little bit of a, an outrageous kind of tree. So it grows up to be in the rainforest. Um, initially, it was from the rainforest of uh, southern Mexico, Central America, and North America, mm. all the way down through like the Amazon basins. And it was absolutely like a known tree everyone knew it it grew all over this area and it is an understory tree so it never got really gigantic oh. so people it was always it was like your 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 favorite kinds of trees you that's can right kind of see the whole thing gets about 30 35 feet tall about 20 or so 30 feet wide okay um generally it's a small understory tree it doesn't want to necessarily be in the middle of the hot sun in a, a completely devoid forest where like a plantation style sure doesn't really like that it okay. would prefer to be in semi-shade it can take those full sun conditions um, but it's not necessarily what the tree really really wants has to have a lot of rain nice deep well-draining soil it mm. is the definition of a tropical tree yeah i mean just looking at a photo of especially the leaves yeah right? look extremely tropical it, they totally do. And I love that there is like a thing, like you can look at a leaf and be like, that looks like a tropical plant. Yeah. And versus a temperate plant, for instance. And I should say, by that, I mean they're thick and waxy. Yes. They are big. They're huge. I think they're about 12 inches long, three inches wide, that's, generally. That's ruckus. Yeah, they to get quote quite Club. large. It's quite ruckus. <laughs> I like that that can be a quote for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're also, they're, they're kind of droopy. Do you notice that? The leaves? Yeah. Yeah. So they don't go outwards like flat. They very much hang down and just kind of take whatever light they, they get. They are simple leaves. Oh, yeah. And uh, have entire margins. Like you said, smooth, glossy, a little bit lighter green on the underside. Um, but they have like really prominent veins. Like you look at a picture, the veins like almost look like they're inset a little bit. Yeah. So you can see kind of like ribs almost on it. Mm-hmm. And they're really long. They got green stems. Uh, they look very similar to what um, the avocados look like, in my opinion. Okay. And then, of course, their bark is is you know brown bark. It kind of has weird square looking splotches on it. Um, whereas it grows up, it, I, I'm not sure if they're lenticels necessarily, um, but as the the bark is expanding. If they are lenticels, which is probably the case, um, they get just a little bit rough looking. And then as the bark gets a little bit bigger, it has horizontal and vertical lines that kind of cross hatch. And it makes it, it gives us kind of a, a squarish pattern on it, in my opinion. But it's not like a puzzle piece type bark. No, not quite. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's like a thin bark. It's, yeah, it's a thin bark with these warty growths on it. And those warty growths are not very big, except in very specific areas. Hmm. Those very specific areas are areas where you get the fruit that comes out. Here we go. And what is fascinating about this tree is it, like a few other trees um, or a lot of tropical plants, their fruit grows right from the main stem and the big branches. Oh, wow. The flowers pop right out from there, and then that is where you constantly get um, all the, the flowers and the fruit hanging off these big stems. So as opposed to almost every other tree that we've talked about, mm -hmm. where I actually, I'm going to say literally every other tree that we've talked about, most of the fruit and the flowers would be at the end of their newest growth. Yes, 
they'd hang down and then they would have the fruit at the end of their their twigs right that are, when it's mature this the leaves come out and the leaves would be uh doing all the work but they don't put any new flower buds at that point and the flower buds come from the main stem exactly I see a photo of it. Isn't that cool? It looks bonkers. It does. It looks. It looks almost like um. Do you know Rafiki from The Lion King? Uh-huh. Where he has that that his like stick, his staff with all the little bits yes. and things hanging yeah, on it, and yeah, he shakes it. Totally. That's what it looks like. It looks like someone like glued him on to be yes. like a shaker stick of some kind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine if if you're having trouble imagining this, I mean, Google it. Um, imagine a trunk of a tree. Yeah. And that's somebody just like glued fruit to it <laughs> just a gigantic yellow blob yes it uh and it looks like a raisin is what uh what i was told by a uh a one hannah who's seen it and has hung out with these trees a little bit hmm. and it is just it when she said that i was like it totally does it also kind of looks like a um an acorn squash like some kind of squash kermit grown out of the side there yeah i would i i was thinking of like a papaya size yeah. but yes. it has the texture on the outside of a squash exactly that's exactly what it looks that like. kind of a rib sort of football shape mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful though it's usually yeah. those can also get as long as the leaves about eight to eight to twelve inches they get really large in some varieties yeah and they have those deep ridges they can either turn yellow or brown or deep purple a kind of reddish tone mm-hmm. when they're mature they also will sometimes get really warty and there's a bunch of different varieties of of uh of cocoa. And it depends on where they're growing, if they're growing in, uh, or what kind they're growing. Kind of like how you can have different kinds of coffee. It's a kind of similar thing with cacao. There's a bunch of different species. I think there's up to, I think, 17 species in the mm. genus Theobroma. But aside from that, the main commercial one is this, Theobroma cacao. Mm-hmm. And it ends up creating these really big, like, football is, I think that's a perfect description. It's football-like things. Yeah. Then, of course... Um, they grow in often plantations where you'd have this over everywhere. You'd get these, you know, just gigantic, huge fields of just these, you know, one kind of tree. One funny thing. Monocrop. Monocrop. Thank you, Alex. Honestly. How about that? Sometimes I just don't use words because I'm like, I should come up with a better word. But then like when there is just one good word that works, it's the right word. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing that up. Oh, I I was just trying to, to show that I can learn and remember things. I was just trying to show that I can learn. I feel like that's it makes it sound like this is a, some horror drama movie. Yeah. I just wanted to show you I could learn. Back in your cage. <laughs> like I'm I'm simple. Yeah. No, I was yeah, I guess that's fair. I'm sure. using that word ironically in the way that they would use it in like the 50s. Okay, sounds good. Well, as it works out, um, it turns out that the reason for this, and this is what um, a uh, um, uh, one of the articles that I read said, is that the fruit grows out of the side of the, the stem like this mm-hmm. because they, the tree is actually more uh, going for big animals to get the fruit rather than little animals because little animals can climb all the way out to those little teeny tiny branches mm-hmm. and they can get to those little seeds that are in those little pods. But- a big animal, like a big uh, a big monkey of some kind, or let's say some extinct animal that just doesn't exist anymore, like some yeah. kind of sloth or something like that. Right. They can get to the big branches, but they are just too heavy to get way out to those little tiny mm. ones. So if it's right on the stem, some big animal can just waltz right up and just eat it right off the stem, or they can climb the tree where there's the big sturdy branch for it to hang on. See, this makes so much sense to me because I know several times this season, I think mango was an example, Yeah, I said... 
why does the mango tree make the seeds so big? Ah, yeah. If it wants animals to ingest it and to carry it and, and make more mango trees. Yeah, exactly. But the cacao tree makes a lot more logical sense. Mm-hmm. It's got these big old fruits, but it makes it easier for big animals to eat the big fruits. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And probably not birds, because birds could like fly out, grab on, and like just hang upside down and then like snatch, like eat the fruit bit by bit. Yeah. So in this case, they probably do have birds that do it and they just latch onto the side or something. But yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, why not like a, a toucan or like a big tropical bird? Yeah, exactly. Or some, uh, I was going to say bat, but usually they eat fruit that's like really succulent elsewhere. Mm. Mm. But yeah, that's exactly it. And there's not to mention possibly extinct animals that used to eat these big fruit that used to need these really large things. Right. But we'll have to put a pin in that for a later episode, Alex. Pin put. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure what you were saying. <laughs> pin put, and then I was waiting for you to say something else, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, there's a period. It's a stamp of, it's yeah. like a stamp. It's a, it's a pin stamp. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to stamp that on me. And so, Alex, of course, People also ate these little seeds. Oh, boy, did they. Things. Oh, my God. You know what's funny, though? I say did, but did. I mean do. Well, a little bit of both because, well, no, yeah, you're totally right. They still do. <laughs> However, we, we, what we know now and like we think of as chocolate way back when was completely different. Yeah. Uh, the Aztecs and the Olmecs and the Maya, they had known about this and they would ferment these uh, the insides of the fruit because if you rip the fruit open there's a pulp that's around each one of the seeds. You actually have to ferment that pulp off to then get the seed, then you would roast it and turn it into other stuff. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen until later. What happened way back then is they would take that whole thing and they would just kind of ferment it all together or ferment the pulp and then have the seeds. The seeds would be used as currency or would be given away um, at a marriage. It was a very ceremonial drink and it was very important culturally to these, uh, these peoples. Mm. They would take that they would make this kind of alcoholic drink and they would give it out and so like montezuma the second when hernan cortez came over to what at the time they thought was like a reincarnation of a god turns out he was actually coming to conquer yeah. uh, that entire area whoops there's a quick mistranslation there fuck um they actually montezuma brought him in and said hey here's a here's this fantastic drink i think snl made a funny joke about this where mm. montezuma they were all like we gotta go the spanish are coming wait try this drink and they all like were amazed at how good this chocolate drink was wow yeah, it's a funny sketch like a chocolate kombucha it kind of yeah that's why that's Damn, a perfect way to describe it is fucking good to my understanding at least um but it wasn't sweet they would sometimes put chilies in it like it would, mm. it would be much more like spicy kind of like you know drink well, like a savory chocolate drink drink yeah exactly but that's fermented better, but fermented yeah so it had a little bit of alcohol in it they I, everything i read says mildly alcoholic cool and this was used they found resin like up to like 1400 years ago in the olmecs in mexico hmm. so like this is a drink that's been around for a really long time but they they didn't eat it the seeds were used for these culinary things they didn't like roast it or do anything like that interesting but they would ferment that pulp and the the seeds along with it sometimes make themselves into this delicious drink which some people nowadays are actually trying to reinvent that like make this kind of um new tequila kind of liqueur liquor thing with it i don't know how it's going 
I oh, haven't tried it. I can guarantee you there are at least two like hipster breweries <laughs> in a warehouse in Portland <laughs> yeah, trying to recreate and staffed by exclusively white people trying to recreate <laughs> this drink. Yeah, I right I, now. They should probably go down and ask some of the folks that are doing it. Probably still down in Central and Southern uh, America and get that get that figured out from them. Go to the source, ask them for their permission, get it and then sell what they make. Yeah. Maybe that would be better. Either way, you're probably right. So it turns out that the chocolate that we know, Alex, didn't actually exist um, in the modern form until way later after the Spanish brought it to Europe. And Europeans, I think one person said it is uh, like swill fit only for pigs if it was what the Aztecs were drinking. Jesus. They didn't really like the, the flavor. Or the Aztecs? Yeah, they uh, yeah they also didn't really like the Aztecs. Yeah, so maybe they maybe they had a little bit of a uh, maybe the pig meant not exactly a four legged animal. We're not quite sure. There was a lot of negative things happening back then. Yeah, but chocolate. <laughs> that is such a sorry. Is an understatement of the year. Maybe. <laughs> but this little tree sorry and these laugh. big seeds. Oh, you're fine. I'm trying to be funny, man. All right. <laughs> anyway. These big seeds and these big these big pods, because the pods uh, kind of rip open. You have these seeds that look very much like a corn cob. Yes, they were brought back to to Europe, and Europe uh, it, they were like, man, this isn't that good. But maybe let's maybe let's add some other things to it. So they started adding sugarcane to it, and they started adding adding uh, honey to it. Made it a little bit more sweet, but the sugary like confection that we all know is chocolate mm-hmm. that didn't happen until the Dutch got involved way way later right casey i want to say one thing i want to do i i hate doing this but i want to backtrack a little bit oh i love backtracking the inside of the pod yeah these seeds yeah i beg you if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it before please google this image oh yeah yeah inside of a cacao pod um i think when we talked about the nutmeg Mm -hmm. i awarded it a most like an alien egg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cacao completely blows nutmeg <laughs> out of the water. Why do you think Competition that? over. Well, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm not against it, but I want to know. I want to know, uh, what you, I want to know what's, what you're it, feeling here. It is this white, sludgy, sticky, goopy, <laughs> substance but you can still see that there are little shapes in there yeah like it, it does it looks like a corn a corn cob that's within like a, an outer husk and turned white like ghostly white then you pull it open and it seems to me that it looks kind of like a grub that's just kind of like a big gigantic grub yeah just sitting there like i can imagine it wiggling i'm sorry i think the term would be wriggling <laughs> yeah I, I although i don't think i don't know if cor- i mean it is the, certainly the shape of a corn cob and the the it's very the seeds are very kernel length but yeah but bigger obviously but you have you seen these things pulled apart no We'll talk about that after the break. Oh God, really? Yeah. Should I have looked that up? Uh, I'll sh- I'll show you a little video. Oh, okay. We'll All talk right. about we'll talk about chocolate production as most of us know it after the break. We'll be right back. More completely arbitrary. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. <laughs> what? That was gross, Alex. <laughs> Welcome back gross. to Completely Arbitrary. I just showed Casey what it looks like on the inside of a Cocoa Pod. I and mean, well, the way it moves. Yeah, getting it taken apart and like, like, like you open it up and it almost like slimes out of there. Yeah, it's yeah. very sluggish. The photos make it look a little more solid. That's right. Gross. Little did you know. Little did I know. Well, Casey, as you alluded to, the form that chocolate takes to most of us today in bar form yeah. or uh, little tablets, you mm-hmm. know, what are those called? Like, Drink form. Mel- like- melting... Um, nah, what's it called? Fuck. I don't know. It sounds, uh, it sounds like lo- like little bars. Uh, they're a little like circular tabs. Oh, M and M's. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I so, have no idea what you're talking you, about. You you alluded that that's a that's a a more mod or a European um yeah creation. Yeah, exactly. So we thought we would go over that process. Yeah. and how chocolate is made. Exactly. So instead of fermenting the the whole inside, just break it open this thing, throw it all together, turn yeah. it into a little boozy thing, drink it down, sell the seeds as a dowry or um give them away. <laughs> Alex, did you know they used to do that? They if you were a sacrifice, you were going to be a sacrifice uh-huh. into the Aztecs, they were going to sacrifice you. If you were melon Collie about it, they would give you a big jug of it because you're like you're. If they said if you're too melancholy to join in this ceremonial dance before you're sacrificed, we'll give you a little chocolate, uh, oh, little chocolate beer. Oh, pep your spirits up, Lord. Yeah, this is a pretty intense culture. But yeah, I, man. I like. I, I kind of like the, the like. If we can turn that into an SNL skit where someone's just like, eh, "I'm pretty bummed. I'm gonna get sacrificed later this afternoon." And we're like, "Wow, here's a here's some chocolate beer." I, I like that idea. I don't think it would make it past the censor board. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, you know, that, yeah, that was a culture. They did that. Damn. Yeah. So that's so hardcore. That's how it was used in uh, its its traditional way. Yeah. In, with the Aztecs um, before that, the Ol- or the Maya before that, the Olmecs. Right. So then in uh, 1502, it was brought over to Spain. Mm-hmm. 200 years later, Alex, the Dutch got it. And uh, then what did they do? Well, I'm going to give you a rough rundown. All right. Because I'm not an expert. Not chocolatier. We tr- we tried to get one on the show, didn't uh, happen. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> sorry. I could just not say that, and nobody would be disappointed. Hey. But anyway, hey, you you got the power. Here's how you make chocolate. You can even make it at home if you want, Casey. Yeah. Oh, what? You get a cacao seed. All right. A pod. Excuse pod. Me. Yeah. You crack it open. Mm-hmm. There are these sluggy, gooey, goopy white seeds inside. You dump them out into a fermenting jar, okay? Okay, yeah. You need to ferment these for like a few weeks. Wow. Uh, they're going to stink. Yeah. But that's the price you pay for delicious homemade chocolate. That's the price you pay. You ferment them. 
Now, once they're fermented, you can basically like uh, they're they're more seed like, and they have they kind of shed their mortal coil. Yeah, I that think, white goop. Yeah, I think it's a really similar process with coffee, actually. Oh, they really? Have to, like ferment it a little bit to get the 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 pulp off. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're just you're getting that shit off, and now you have what looks like a seed. Yeah. Um. You need to roast this though, because the seed mm. has a shell. Oh, that's right. Uh, does that make it a nut? Uh, no, because it, it would be the seed. The pulp inside would be essentially the aural or like this weird fluid on the inside. Yeah, I think honestly, this is close to the nut or as close as possible to a, a hesperidian, probably. Oh, okay. that's my guess. So it might be a technical kind of berry. I was going to say, yeah. I know aural from nutmeg. Isn't mason aural? Exactly. Yeah, okay. that's that's correct. And yeah, so I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I couldn't find something that really gave me a good direct answer. I see. Um, but it would be the seed. So the nut on the outside would be kind of like the seed. Uh, it's a seed, I guess. It would be the seed called a out, shell. Yeah, an outer shell of the seed. Yeah, yeah kind of like the pit of a cherry. You know, you got to get rid of that shell because it's it's hard and crunchy. And it's not food. Yeah. Um. So you roast them. And when you're done roasting them, they're going to turn a dark, deep brown. Mm. And they're going to start looking a little bit like chocolate. You take that shell off. And there are lots of different processes for this because it's very thin and brittle. Yeah. And it's hard to pe- – you can't, like, peel it like an orange, you mm, know? Yeah, especially if you roast it. I imagine it get even more brittle. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. Um, so there are obviously, like – you know, multi-million dollar machines that do this mm, and there mm. are homemade machines that do this. Yeah, and then there's um, also hammers. You can also just fucking whack the shit out of it and, yeah. and delicately pick all those shells out. <laughs> um, so once you have your shelled seeds... It's the Gallagher method. Yes. <laughs> you, put the, you put the pod on a stool in front of a captive <laughs> studio audience. <laughs> Whoa! Smash it with a comically large sledgehammer. Now you want to be in that splash zone. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, so once you have your shelled seeds, you need to grind them. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you can use a mortar and pestle. And I think that would probably do, you do okay. Yeah. There are again, machines that do this through several stages. You know how like when you, when you roll pasta, you yeah. start at the whitest setting. Yeah. So you get a nice thick sheet of pasta. Then you turn it down one setting, a little bit narrower. Yep. Another pass through. There are machines like this for uh, cacao seeds. Gotcha, okay. That basically grind it, and then there's another setting that grinds it, Ah, and then there's a third setting or whatever. This is such a broad overview. There's a a third setting that twerks it. Yeah. I assume that it it goes, you know... Deeper and deeper into the club. And then there's an, a setting just called Annihilation <laughs> yeah. that turns it into this creamy sort of uh, uh, spreadable paste looking, almost like a hummus consistency. I uh, like the button that says Annihilation. Yeah. That's a good button. I want that button. Uh, Casey, did you know that the oil in a cacao seed is called cocoa butter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that was that was one of the things that the Dutch invented, where they could separate the butter from the actual seed, like the a, a powdery sort of bit with the seed. Yes, or the, these harder nibs, I guess maybe is the term. Yes, nib is the term, and cocoa butter, of course, is huge in the uh, the self care industry. Yeah, cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's great for moisturizing and such. It uh, probably makes you taste delicious. Yeah, probably very lickable. I would assume. Oh yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, Completely I'm arbitrary nights. Yeah, wow. Yeah. There we are. Uh, so <laughs> you want to probably add more cocoa butter. So you have you have your your natural cocoa butter, but co- mm-hmm. cacao seeds don't have uh, 
enough to sustain the process. Uh, so you add cocoa butter. There's one big ingredient that you need to add at this stage, Casey. Yes. Because if you don't add it, this shit's going to taste whack. Aha. Uh-huh. It's called sugar. I see. I've heard I've heard this and yeah. you add they they added in like alkaline salts or something to, and then the butter again it kind of creates this solid. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. is that this is the this well, I guess sugar and and these salts are different. Uh sugar and salts are different. Yeah. Well, I guess I I don't know what alkaline salts mean. I should look that up. Yeah, we should we should look that up. Anyway. <laughs> hey, we've we've gotten by with an anyway many times. <laughs> Uh, so you want to add the sugar that's going to make it sweet and taste like chocolate. Gotcha. Uh, so at this, at this stage, uh, you're going to melt it over a a double boiler, right? Um, so it doesn't burn. Yeah. So you have your cocoa butter, your sugar and your solids, your, uh, cacao solids, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to melt into, and it's going to, it's going to sort of, um, uh, it's going to sort of emulsify a little Mm -hmm. bit. It's going to turn into what looks like melted chocolate. Wow. You need to temper this chocolate, okay. which is an extremely complicated... I mean, if you're good at tempering chocolate, then you might say, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But if you've never tempered chocolate before, it's, a, it's an extre- extremely finicky process. Mm. It may, basically makes it so that the chocolate will harden without mm-hmm. melting with in your hands, right? Okay. So if you, if you don't temper your chocolate, it yeah. won't set. Oh, it won't I become see. firm. It'll just be like a wiggly thing. Yeah, it'll just be like melted chocolate. I see. Okay. Uh, so you temper your chocolate, you pour it into your molds, what have you. Mm-hmm. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada you chocolate. You wait long enough, and you got yourself a chocolate bar. That's amazing. I literally watched a video this morning of a person doing this yeah. in their home. Oh. You can make chocolate at home. It's a it's a process. It looks like it sounds like a process. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a project. You know, you're yeah. gonna have to buy some equipment. Probably it's gonna be three or so weeks. You gotta you gotta yeah. ferment the nuts and all these things. Yeah, and seeds. And should, your they, first try might suck. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? Everything is uh, has a rough start. Yeah. But at the end, if it's a sugary, chocolatey thing, yeah, well, that's good. That's probably worth it to make your own chocolate. I mean, that's that's a cool story to tell. I make yeah, my own chocolate. exactly. I mean, it's a cool thing just like just to try it. When I was in Ecuador, they roasted the beans, and then mm-hmm. they just had like chunks of, of brown sugar, and you just take a chunk of brown sugar and a ch- just a bean, and you just eat it. Wow. Just, just like that, all together. Was it good? It was great. It was oh, delicious. fuck. That sounds so good. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, so that is, that's an amazingly, like, complex process, you know, like, to, like, it almost feels like a, um, a chemistry process, you know, yeah. like, and then it comes out this whole completely different thing than what it started as to begin with. Casey, you've described cooking. What? Oh, my God. And I want to reiterate. These hands. <laughs> I want to reiterate. What I described is such an extremely broad general oh, overview. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. There are so many minor, like, mid-steps yeah, that I we, didn't go yeah, over sure. that I don't even know. Well, so, we'll post this video that you showed, and then we'll, yeah, uh, sure. we'll be able to show everyone how they can, too, do it. That's right. And but that's, the, that's an interesting thing about it, is that way back when, for most of the history of chocolate, because this, this process only really got its start in, like, the 1700s, I think, hmm. and that's when they first realized Oh, we can separate the butter and the the solids and yeah. like turn those into two different things. So then before that it was all drink. Everyone drank chocolate. The whole the whole other three thousand years of, of history. It was all just a completely different thing. I think that's so fascinating. It's pretty cool. I, I mean that's that was sort of a mind blowing fun fact that it's it's 
kind of a young process. It is, right? Like it's, it's pretty it's, modern. It's very modern when you look at the sort of, you know, when was all the when were all these big companies started? This was when Cadbury and Hershey and uh Nestle all started to do their stuff. Mm-hmm. It was soon after this in the late 1700s early 1800s. That's when they started making their their, you know, what we now know is all these bars, Mars bars. You want to hear a fun fact about M&Ms? I sure do. One of the Mars, one of the M's stands for Mars. I don't know what the other one is. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. But um, they were invented for soldiers, uh, really overseas. I that, think in World War One. That would make sense because they also in uh, the Revolutionary War they were given out as currency to soldiers sometimes. Wow, like M and M's? No, sorry, chocolate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Like the M M&M and M guys, like walking around in the Revolutionary War, giving like you know, yeah, you know, speeches to help keep the morale up and things like that. They're th- they're throwing out little packets of M and M's at yeah. the parade. <laughs> uh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, but it was a f- they were a good way to have a little ch- little portable treat that yeah. didn't melt. Yeah, because it had a candy coating shell that's so fascinating man Man, the historical means of things starting so fascinating aren't they i love it yeah well shoot unfortunately though um that's where the interesting and the nice part of chocolate kind of ends alex well it had to end sometime yeah because as as everything in this podcast it all comes around to a sad cynical story sad sad cynical story where you're, you're you're taking your 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 chocolate beer and you're just lamenting with uh with frank meyer about how this whole thing yeah. It's a giant cataclysm. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, this, uh, this podcast is depressing. Yeah, it can be. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good side to this. Okay? Let's make it fun. Go this for it. This one's gonna be fun. Um, so unfortunately, as as every good thing does, uh, capitalism strangles it to death. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. The world, as soon as it went to to Europe and it was elsewhere, um, growing in South America, people were like, hey, you know, we now have these giant colonies all over the place. The Spanish tried to keep a lid on their monopoly um, of the cacao tree, which was only down there in South and Central America, which is the the Spanish had almost entirely at this point. Mm. So then, uh, at some point, the Dutch like smuggled it out, moved it to their places over in Sri Lanka, then the Spice Islands, and everywhere throughout uh, any place that's tropical. And then today, we now have, I think, something like 70% of all the chocolate made, or all the cacao grown in the world, is grown in the uh, Ivory Coast as well as Ghana. 70% in those two little countries. Ivory Coast is like the size of New Mexico. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's a wild story with how that happened because, of course, we started growing it in all these places during the, the peak height of uh, colonialization. So at that point, A, environment didn't matter. We took a um, local economies that were either subsistence or just, you know, worked with whatever, traded with other people, but no one was paying for their land. And we turned them into these ownership things where now in order for you to uh, own your property, you have to pay some tax on it, which means you can't just subsistence farm and not pay money or not get money, right? So chocolate in itself is not a very good, um, you can't just make all of your food from chocolate. You need other nutrients and other kinds of staples, rice and wheat, sorghum, all these other different things. It's not a corn type. Exactly. It's not a corn type. So 
it would just be this additional um, thing. And it does have lots of nutrients, antioxidants. It's got its stimulant properties similar to caffeine. Mm -hmm. So it's got these fun things going with it. Could we call that a luxury crop? I think you could. Yeah, it's a luxury cash crop, which it kind of becomes. So you could do it. You could have your luxury things. But then the luxury was in Europe and then the United States and then everywhere else in the world who's like, I want some chocolate in Mm -hmm. some form or fashion. It was very, very popular. You had it growing, um, you know, like chocolatiers and chocolate bars were like popping up all over the world and people were in love with it. So, of course, when people are in love with it and there's a good price, you get the same thing that happened with a lot of these trees that are, you know, specialty things. Cacao, certainly an example. Coffee's a, another exact perfect example of this like gigantic, huge global commodity mm. that then in places where there's good regulation, they say, hey, we're going to do this right. We're going to make sure that, you know, you don't destroy our native habitat. Farms end here, forest starts there. Okay. Unfortunately, though, um, because this was all happening and spreading during the height of the worst, like, uh, humanitarian disaster that's ever existed in this entire world, colonialization, yeah. we ended up going to places like uh, the Ivory Coast, which had these, um, already at this point, there's a huge slavery trade there. And then after that, we started just cutting down all the forests and then planting all of these chocolate trees. And there's an article that we'll post, and it has a, uh, it's from the Yale School of Environment. And there is a, um, a, Real nice little uh, infographic that just shows the deforestation in the Ivory Coast over like 25 years. Like it's something insane. Casey is showing me a a GIF basically of a map. And the first frame is 1990 and most of the map is green. 2000, it's about uh, a quarter of what it was in 1990. And then 20, what is the third one? 2020? Uh, uh, 2015. 2015. There is a very small swath of green in the lower left corner. Yeah. It is almost completely disappeared. Exactly. And that is the native forest in this area. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And that is just one country. And they produce themselves, uh, the Ivory Coast, they produce one third of the whole world's supply. Mostly, that goes to, you're never going to guess. Uh, the United States. Oh, no, sorry. I guess that was a little bit much. Uh, gigantic corporations. They're chocolate makers. The Hershey's. Oh. Nestle's. Yes. And Cadbury. Um, I don't think Cadbury was specifically named, but those those big, big, big places, I right? See. And unfortunately, um, they just don't have the regulation, but they also have other issues in terms of um, they just had a huge civil war like 15, 20 years ago. Mm. So they have to deal with that. They also have migration coming across from different um, countries that have huge droughts that are even more poor. So you start getting these like this perfect condition of everything's kind of been broken down. You must do these things to survive. So people are like, well, I, I need to live. I'm not just going to not do something that makes it then so I die. So they're like, okay, I'm going to go move, squat on the national park. I'm going to cut down a couple trees. It's just a couple trees. And then I'm going to plant a cacao tree. Then I'm going to sell the cacao. 
they do this, but then if 30,000 people do this, you yeah. start getting this kind of deforestation. Um, but it's also good for the economy because they're making money and they can actually survive. So it's like, well, which do we care about more, which is a classic situation in um, poor countries mm -hmm. that don't have a whole lot of regulation that are taken advantage of by giant corporations and other richer countries. Do you protect the environment or do you allow people to actually not die? You know, a decision nobody should ever have to nobody make. Nobody should ever have to make it. But and, the world has been ruined by yeah, capitalism. Exactly. It truly has been. And the, the people who are the, I'm going to, there's definitely people, but the corporations and the people behind it are these gigantic, huge, uh, companies that are making chocolate and trying to sell it at the lowest bottom line. Nestle's a perfect example. Hershey is another example. And what they ended up doing is uh, they had a bunch of big backlash and there's a bunch of information out there on um, child labor and slavery in these countries um, that are coming together and they're basically having people go into small villages, abduct children, and then sell them over to chocolate makers. It's awful, awful stuff. There's a um, The Food Empowerment Project um, has a big, big article on this. talks about everything you could ever imagine. It's very thorough, a lot of resources to show what they're talking about. Um, and so I was looking through these things on the internet trying to learn about this because like, oh, you're, you're cool, chocolate, we grow it. And I was like, mm, this is too, this is, there's, there's not enough to this story. Chocolate's such a big thing. It cannot just be this quick like, oh, yeah, it's grown over here in the Ivory Coast. Yeah. There's got to be more to it. So I took a look at it, and I found, funny enough, a, um, a interesting thing. So I looked up uh, just forests and chocolate, and then I looked up reforestation and chocolate because I was like, okay, this is a tropical um, tree. It must have something to do with the destruction of tropical forests in order to grow it. So... It turns out that I looked up this thing called the World Cocoa Foundation, which is this really nice website. It's got all the beautiful things that you could ever want. <laughs> wow, was that made with uh, Squarespace? Honestly, it probably is. Yeah, pound they don't by. sponsor us. That'd no, be no. cool, though. Yeah, that would be cool. No, it's not quite that, but you can see it's really nice. Everything's really green. There's all these different people who are like local mm. farmers, gigantic smiles. Everything looks really, really nice. Oh, yeah. look, there's another person... They're from East Asia. They're smiling. Oh, there's some cocoa updates. Oh, here's all these things. There's some beans. It looks really nice. Everyone's really happy. So I looked this up and I was like, hey, cool. Okay, yeah, someone's doing something. It's like, oh, we're trying to plant, uh, I think it said 70% of the farmers in these two countries are like very high numbers, high percentages, are signing on. They're giving out trees to replant. Remember how earlier I said that trees are, um, these, these are understory trees. They don't love to be in the gigantic hot sun. Yeah. Same thing with coffee. Shade-grown coffee is a better product. It tastes better. It's a more delicious hmm. flavor, but it grows just a little bit less. But if you grow it underneath the canopy of the trees, you also maintain the rest of the forest. It's called agroforestry, hmm. where you're growing trees as a forest, but you have crop trees and crops of other kinds growing underneath in the understory of that forest. Oh, that sort of reminds me of, I think we talked about how in uh, Central and South America, maize is grown uh and then uh beans are grown up yeah. like a vine up the maize stock. exactly and then 
the uh, squash is grown in the soil around mm-hmm. it, which gives nutrients to everything. And yeah, sort of what is that called? Um, um, those are called the three sisters plantings. Right, um, right. Oh, so it's not native like a, tribes did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's just a kind of a means of growing a crop in a, a sort of farming way. Yeah. An agriculture way. This is sort of that on the, on a forest scale. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So you have like little understory trees. Those little understory trees, cocoa, coffee, other things like that, you can sell those and you can make money and you can help support your, uh, your family, your industry, your community. But you can also have a smaller section that is growing other crop things, you know, and you can maybe cut down some, set, some section of forest, grow crop foods or whatever trees you need to grow, but then keep the rest of the forest intact so birds have habitat, so you can have primates, you Mm -hmm. can have all these other things. So that's a really important thing that is um, kind of on the forefront of trying to solve this, uh, you know, our huge destruction of the rainforests. So you look at this website and it's like, oh, cool, the World Cocoa Foundation. I was like, okay, there's something to this. I looked at the, uh, I looked up this other thing, the Food Empowerment Project, and they specifically call out this organization as saying its numbers are way inflated. There's no proof. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to take a look. I'm going to do my due diligence because uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. And uh, ended up looking down to the very bottom and went to their governance. You're familiar with uh, foundations where they have to, if they're a nonprofit organization, they need to have like a board of directors. It can't be owned and run by one person. Yeah. Everyone, Uh. uh, let's see, there's four, eight, 12, 16. They are all white men. They are all CEOs or chief officers of some kind of literal, and I'm not kidding you, big chocolate. Fuck, man. Mars bars and all these other different huge, you know, things. I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to take credit away from them if they are doing good stuff, you know. I, I'm not a, a journalist looking into it. We're talking about trees ultimately here in this podcast. Yeah, but... But there's one, there's one woman, Christine McGrath, I'm happy to see that, yet I'm looking at um, their the front of their page, and it's all these people of color who are actually the farmers growing these things, and I'm like, well, why don't you have any of them on your board? Why don't That's you talk right. about what's, on, what's with that, you know? And why are you guys all, like, literal, the chief procurement and sustainability officer, chief executive officer, Olam Coco? Like, there's all these huge, big, like, you know, corporate people. And I'm like, this seems fishy. Turns out it's quite fishy. It's just, like, all of the uh, all the big corporations putting together, create this other trade organization called the World Cocoa Foundation. And they're trying to say, we're doing a really good job. We come up with, everyone signs on to these pledges, and then they they miss this deadline. They miss the next deadline. They miss the next deadline. And it's really frustrating because we're literally talking about child labor and slavery in these countries that are supplying your fucking Hershey's chocolate bar. And it's like, this is so, so frustrating. However, here's the good side to the story is that the almighty dollar still has power. You just have to know where to focus it. So I was looking through the Food Empowerment Project and they have a, a really great website about a lot of different stuff. And specifically on their resources page, they have a gigantic list of chocolate where they have a bunch of producers of chocolate bars. I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds on here. Like ethically manufactured exactly. chocolate? Exactly. And okay. so they say, the list below reflects Food Empowerment Project's most recent research on companies that make vegan products containing chocolate to find out if their sources of their chocolate is from areas where the... Uh, or it's find out if their source... Uh, for their chocolate, I think they have an error in here, or maybe I'm just bad at reading. Anyway, they try to see where they if, they, if their chocolate sources come from places that have child labor or slavery, 
um, or if they're they're getting a lot from there. So basically what they're trying to do is they say, hey, we need, everyone says, okay, there's a huge problem. How do I help solve this problem? And now they've given you resources, say, well, spend your money to a company that is um, trying to, that they feel comfortable recommending saying this company sources their plate or their chocolate from places that have more ethical standards or at least from farms or collectives that don't use uh, certain practices. Slavery would be a really good one to avoid. Wow. So it's a, it's a sad story, but the good news is that, you know, people, it's, it's been brought to the forefront. Obviously, like uh, the huge, uh, um, what is it, COPS, the, the World Foundation, I don't know, where all the, the, the huge world uh, leaders come together and they say, we're going to change the world, <laughs> we're going to make all this money, then nothing happens of afterwards. Course, yeah. The one that Greta Thunberg loses her voice at every year because she's a champion of the world yeah. and no one listens, like that frustration. It's that kind of thing um, that's happening that you can always see with, you know, the World Cocoa Organization, right? Um, however, with these other projects that actually, like, give you the real facts and say, here, let's, let's like, make this work. And then you can get a huge amount of um, companies that you can go to and say hi. Like, one is um, uh, Theo Chocolate um, in town. Right, they think they're in town. Maybe they're from Seattle, actually. Um, they're on this list that they feel comfortable. There's a they're a big factory, and so it's like, okay, great. I can still go buy chocolate, and I can support a local company, and I know that my dollar is helping to support that company. And if I support that company, then they can buy more chocolate. But if they buy more chocolate or buy more cacao, they can say, but we only want to buy it from this. That creates a demand for agroforestry for better work practices better um conditions for the workers so it's it's a way to use your money without causing these huge destructive practices but you just have to know where to go which is really hard to do it's one of the hardest things when you're trying to solve climate change you're trying to eat a good meal and you're trying not to spend all of your money trying to just enjoy one chocolate bar that costs you 35 dollars you know what i mean so, maybe it does need to cost $35, but this this story, it's not the worst story. It has a lot of bad parts it's to it. It's pretty fucking bad. Yes, I'm saying though, but there's there's a bright spot, you know, like it, there's yeah. there's there's activity that's actively working, but yes. you got to you got to find uh, you, you got to do just a little bit of work on it. What is the name of the good uh chocolate people there? Uh this is the Food Empowerment Project, the which is what I'm looking Project. at. Food Empowerment Project. So, okay. which is they their website is foodispower.org. Wow. Um, and I I really appreciated uh, uh, seeing this and reading through this article, um, especially because I was just so, I, I can't believe I got caught in that trap. I'm, like I said, I'm not a professional uh, journalist, so I'm not going to hold myself too much to account. But man, looking through the uh, the World Cocoa Foundation, I was like, oh, great. Yeah, there's a, there's a great thing. Hashtag generation restoration. And it's like, Oh, this looks good, but then realizing, hold on, this feels too good to be true. Yeah. I'm sure they're doing some amount of good work, you know, there's a lot of resources backing there, but the one thing I've learned about corporations is none of them will put themselves out of a job. So I, I can't see that Nestle is going to invest in things that will make Nestle cost more. You know what I mean? Yes. Anytime any huge corporation appears to do anything wholesome yeah. or altruistic, just... 100% of the time, there is some sort of fucking write-off yeah. or, uh, you know, millions of dollars of, like, marketing strategy into it. Exactly. Don't trust corporations. You just can't do it. They're and not your friend. They're not your friend. They don't have your best interest in mind. And Casey, yeah. 
Sorry, I cut you off. Oh no, I was just gonna. I I was just gonna add that it we're stuck in a situation. You have to go to a corporation half the time to get just the basic thing uh-huh. that you need. Yeah. So I don't want to minimize it, being like, "Don't do it," and everyone's like, "Well, come on, that's it's, easy for you to say." Yes, it's almost impossible to live without them. Yeah, but I would say it is. It is basically impossible. I think it's basically impossible. The Dutch, the Dutch East India Company, the very first corporation, mm-hmm. they did a good job setting up the the corporate model. Yeah. But unfortunately, you. You know we're stuck in it but there there are little bright lights if you can you should that's that's the, that's where i will leave it that open-ended yeah where if you can you should you get to decide if you can and how much you can but if you can avoid and you can support a small local business that's where the real change happens because they they're the ones like yeah we want to sell something that's really good and that has a uh does not come with this human use human price tag at the end of it and i think also casey that's a good point if you can you should there is a spectrum there there is it's exactly true like at some point you will either eat something or buy something or use something that was made by the hands of enslaved people yeah so it's a hard thing to kind of like make sure that you're not addressing acknowledging trying to address it but certainly acknowledge like this happens yeah you hear you, stories about it all the time you just have to do the best you can yeah exactly uh casey and also i would i want to say this food is power.org this website sucks which is a good <laughs> lesson that the website of the evil chocolate people is beautiful and has all these wonderful photos and they're actually terrible yeah and food empowerment project which is a great cause uh you know not they're not spending their money on on greenwashing precisely thank you that's that's what i was getting at casey we got to get to our review of the cacao tree here's how it works we'll give some final thoughts and then ascribe it a rating of zero to ten golden poems of honor. Our very last pomage, Casey. That is it. A pomage, oh if you will. It, it is a pomage. Casey is our resident expert. We're going to begin with you. That sounds good. So I know. I'm sorry. We always. I always end up throwing these these you know rough stories at you, Alex. So it's I hope good. You're okay with that. It's okay. It is. We're going to win yeah. a podcast award for it someday. <laughs> I hope so. The potties. The potties. Oh, hey, Lord. I won a potty award. Like, wait, <laughs> Are don't you they the give potties? that to give that to toddlers? Like, <laughs> shut up. I got a potty award too. Um, so I, the cacao tree, I, I think that it's, it's great. I love the tree. I love that the tree has a different way of going about things. Mm. It grows its fruit and its flowers from the stem. So rare. So just not, not a thing that most things, most plants do. These big trees for certain. I like that it is, um, it's a victim of circumstances in that, it can grow in a forest underneath trees and do perfectly well. However, we chose again to put it in a place that it doesn't it doesn't want to be um, and kind of almost you know force it into our capitalistic kind of way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a pass on that. I'm not gonna blame the tree of course for that. Um, however, it doesn't get very big, which is okay. I like that you can make this delicious drink from it in every way. I also appreciate that it is like the definition of a tropical tree. Unfortunately, because I have not been to the tropics near as much and I haven't like sat and studied them for a long time, I'm just not familiar with the wild, wild diversity of, of tropical trees. Mm-hmm. So when I see one that isn't like, eh, I'm kind of a tropical tree, like nutmeg is, is a super tropical tree. Whenever I see one that is like, like, straight up tropical there's no if ands or buts if you go below 40 degrees the tree's like i'm dying yeah i can't live like this 
it just makes me stoked. I'm like, all right, you're 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 true. You can't. You're you're not a tree up here. You know, I just like the. I like I like them. I like them. I like it. I think it's a cool tree. I like the fruit. I love chocolate. I really like putting raspberries in chocolate and getting a good chocolate bar that has raspberries in it. Dark chocolate. I think it's a great tree. I love everything about it. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give this a nine point zero. Wow. Give it a nine point zero. I love those fruit. Have you seen those? They're so cool. <laughs> yes, I've seen them. Thank you. I just, <laughs> I love, I love that there's just like these little like, like deflated footballs hanging off of trees. Yeah. You break them open, you throw some magic in them, and then all of a sudden they taste great. Yeah. It's like, I just think that's the coolest thing. 9.0 golden poems of honor for the cacao tree. For the cacao tree. And I will admit, I gave it a little extra points because I feel like it's, uh, it's been just used and abused. Yeah, it and, deserves it. And caused a lot of abuse, but it's not its fault. Yes. Agreed, Casey. Alex, what do you think about this? There's, there's a lot of baggage with this tree. There sure is, Casey. It's hanging off of the stems in the trunk. I think during our... We didn't talk about folklore and mythology mm-hmm. to this episode, yeah. which I'd like to maybe circle back to at some point Okay. Uh, on one of these other species. Um, to do with the, cho- with the cacao tree. Yeah. It's called the chocolate tree. Hey, yeah. It basically is. It pretty much is, yeah. Called the chocolate beer tree. Yeah. During the, I think during the pomegranate episode, I gave a stump of approval to the pomegranate for being the most culturally significant ah, yeah. uh, tree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give, I think I'm going to strip that title from pomegranate oh. or at least give out another one. Okay, yeah. I think you can give the out another one. To the cacao tree. Okay, okay. They are equals. They've both won the Oscar. Mm. Uh, I love chocolate in its final form. Yeah. Love me some chocolate. And also, I'm not one of these purists who only eats dark chocolate and says milk chocolate is trash or oh. white chocolate is trash. Okay. Give me any kind of chocolate. I yeah. love them all. You're into them. I, I probably overall prefer darker chocolate. Okay, yeah. But absolutely, milk. a good milk chocolate is so good. Reasonable. That's true. Uh, we live in Portland where there are a few chocolatiers and... They all make really good fucking chocolate. That's oh, really good. I've had a lot of them. Casey. Alex. For the first time ever, I abstain from giving this tree golden cones of honor. What? I Alex. Think, I think, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus or high road you. This is crazy. Because I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Hey, this is okay, yeah. I think it is... I think giving this tree a, an arbitrary score uh-huh. on this dumb podcast <laughs> is disrespectful. Really? And I don't want to disrespect the tree okay. or its history in our world. Okay. Or its, its current situation either. Yeah. Interesting. But it gets the Oscar for cultural significance. Yes. It, now, gets, it gets honorable mention for that. Now, I want to ask, is that cultural significance because of its current and historical use and like, you know, how it's, how it's been grown around? Uh, yes. And it's just, and it's important. We didn't talk about this, so mm-hmm. it's hard to mm. justify. But I would yeah. say just its importance in the cultures that revered it. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, okay. Here's a drink of chocolate before we sacrifice you. How mm. much more significant? That is pretty intense, yeah. And a lot of this, a lot of we don't know a lot about it because a lot of those cultures didn't write anything down. Yeah, there's like almost no written record for the Olmecs and for the Aztecs, for instance. It's just observations from the Spanish, which you know you got to take all those with a grain of salt. Of course, written is when. 
history is written by the victors. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's a curious. Uh, that's a curious uh, thing. So you're abstaining from. I it abstain. Entirely. I fix my tie and uh, I take my seat in Congress. I think that is very fair. This is a first to the end of yeah. the end of the season. I love that there's this big cliffhanger. You know, it feels mm-hmm. like that it was like. <gasps> Oh my god! I will say, wow! In my heart, mm-hmm. it's a ten. <laughs> Casey, that was our review of the cacao tree. Mm-hmm. It's now time for our last segment of the year, Case. Oh, Alex! Now, earlier in the episode, I said that we failed to get a chocolatier to talk about chocolate on this episode. Yes, that wasn't entirely true. <gasps> there is a man. A chocolatier, a, I should say a former chocolatier, okay. named Willy Wonka. Oh, my God. Are you God. familiar? I've heard the name. It's been passed around every now and then. Yes. Well, he had a chocolate factory in England, but they, he held this competition and basically ended up uh, signing the rights of the chocolate factory over to a young man named Charlie Bucket. Oh, my God. Total rags to riches story. They made a few. They made a documentary about it in the seventies, and then they remade the documentary kind of recently. Oh yeah, okay. That's I think I I think I remember the one from the seventies. Yeah, and I think I saw or heard that there was one that was more recent, but I probably boycotted it. It was a lot of fun. the yeah. The original one is a lot of fun. It had it had is weird. I, I you know sort of a musical documentary. Huh. Never but, heard of that. So after I don't know if you've read the uh, I don't know if you read the article I sent you, but basically after Willie. Left, I should call him William, mm. which is what he goes by now. He does go, yeah. Um, after he left the chocolate industry, he started listening to our podcast. No way. Yeah. Okay. And he got so interested in trees that he built an indoor arboretum. You're kidding me, it's William. It's true. Yeah. He now goes by William Wonka. Okay. And. William W. He invited you and me to come and tour his arboretum, Casey. Alex, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. But instead of sending us like a letter that invited us, okay. he uh, sent us a song. So let's let's play that now. Let's play it. Come with me, eat the trees in my dangerous indoor arboretum. Taste the bark, chew the leaves in my dangerous arboretum. Do not choke on an oak or eat too much toxic eucalyptus. Mr. Spruce makes you puke if you eat him. If you want to view Coulter Pine, simply stand directly underneath it. Any limb you want to eat it, want to change the world, plant millions of trees to combat climate change. Huh, okay. Wow! 
That was such a beautiful song. Yeah, I'm a little confused, I guess, <laughs> at his messaging because he started and in, he invited us, but yeah. he made it very clear that his arboretum is dangerous. Exactly, which is very yeah. That was almost the name of the song. Yeah, a dangerous arboretum. But then he and he warned us, don't do these things. But then he tried to get us to stand under a culture. I don't know. But then he ended yeah. with a nice message. He did. The, that was a very good message. If you want to, you know, change the world, plant a million trees. Yeah. I don't know. The guy's weird. The what, guy's a weird guy. He sounds we like say? a weird guy. But you know what? He's I'm doing interested some good in visiting. Work. Yeah, I think we should go, Casey. I think we should go to his arboretum. Casey, here's how this segment works. <laughs> As in the documentary, all these children got in trouble in curious, ironic ways. They did. I remember this. The television-obsessed boy got turned into a tiny little thing in a television. Yeah, they had to roll the television away to get him out. Uh-huh. Yeah. The very greedy girl, her greed turned against her, and she mm-hmm. fell down a chute. Yep. Casey, you and I are going to die in very ironic ways at this <laughs> arboretum. And this segment, we're going to figure out how that is. We're going to see how it happened. This sounds great. Okay, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to. I'm ready to 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 ironically die, and then of course just get taken away by a bunch of workers, and then get brought back. Maybe, Pro- hopefully, if we're lucky. If we're lucky, there's a po- if there's like a post credit sequence that shows that we're alive. <laughs> yeah, are they using the past tense? Or are they using the present tense? Right. I guess if we show up, if we show up for next season of Completely Arbitrary, we'll know. Ah, see. Okay, gotcha. Casey, let's Alex, start with you. Let's do it. All right. How are you going to die at this arboretum? So like, there was a bunch of trees they had in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very curious. I think uh, there, was, like, there was a spruce tree. There was a coulter pine. There was an oak. There's a couple other things. Yeah, those were just examples, I yeah. think. I think he has basically any tree you can think of. Ah, I see. So here's what I imagine. I imagine that you go into this arboretum, everything's certainly edible, or at least it looks edible. Yes. Maybe. Uh-huh. I think you could eat anything yeah, there. I can imagine eating so many mushrooms in, in this arboretum oh. because they all look like these little tasty marshmallowy things that you end up all of a sudden growing mycelium from your feet into the ground, connecting wow. into the trees, and then you essentially can't move. Wow. You become a mushroom. And then they turn you into a tapenade. Ex- ex- exactly. And that is your true calling. That sounds all right. That's one way I can imagine. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that. Let's see. What else uh, What else was there? There was the spruce. You could choke on a walnut, um, which would yeah. be an ironic way to, uh, to do it, because they're inedible pretty much anyway, but I guess Although you can't eat them. The whole premise of the documentary is yeah. that each child has a flaw. Yeah, that's and true. And they die, or they get in trouble. Mm-hmm. In an ironic way to do with that flaw. Yes, right? that's true. That's true. So I, for myself, yeah, I'm a little bit of. Um, I like the I like way I like things a certain way. Okay, you know. Yeah, and if they're not that way, I get very anxious and mm-hmm. uppity, mm-hmm. and I want to make them them the way I want to make them. Okay, uh, it's just something about me that everybody <laughs> knows <Yeah>. now. <laughs> um, this is a little bit this is a little bit of a confessional here. Casey has known this for years, <laughs> especially working together. Um, so maybe you know, maybe I try to rearrange some things ah, right i yeah. don't quite like his placement the forest is like don't do that yes and the forest maybe i get eaten up by the the roots of a tree and ah, i get dragged into the and you have to stay there in that location even though you find it to be not the exact right location yes i see and forever i think oh my god i should have gotten 
eaten up over there. Yeah. It'd be not much. I'd be much a nice nicer place for mm, me. Yeah, I I imagine in that case, I really my favorite thing is to just wander about things, mm-hmm. and I don't like staying on paths. Well, that's not a flaw. It's it can, it can be if they're like, please stay on the path. Like, oh, mm. there are signs everywhere that say, "Place." Yeah. Oh, you go behind the velvet rope. I go behind the velvet rope. That's great. Yeah, I want to go see these things up close. Yeah, I want to go look at it with my face right there. Right. So I think that that would end up being my downfall. Would be crossing these velvet ropes and just never finding my way back. Oh, just becoming you know the Jumanji of this arboretum. Wow. Like this build this <laughs> yeah. You never, they, f- yeah. they find you uh, 17 years later. And, and Full like, beard. Yeah. I'm now 100% an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be that would be the thing where I, I don't even speak the same language anymore. I'm eating all the things and trying not to die, but then maybe in my attempt to, to be one with nature, mm-hmm. yeah, succumbing. You speak the language of the trees. Yeah, right. So when you, uh, t- when you open your mouth and speak, it sounds like a woodpecker or like <laughs> a leaves rustling. Yeah. Oh, geez, Casey, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, he's really upset right now. We got to give him some space. Can I make an addendum to mine? You may. I'd like to my head just be poking out and I can yeah. see the spot <laughs> where I should have ended up. You're like, oh, I need to be right there. Yeah. If that tree wasn't right there, I could see the entire place. Yeah. Yeah. That, like really that would, close. I think that would be a good one. Let's see. What else do I do? I like to I like to read books a lot. To be, uh, oh, be, what a flaw. Yeah. Yeah. So this flaw. Okay, yeah what a, what's a flaw about me? I mean, I, I talk a lot. You. Sometimes I do... Uh, Sometimes uh, sometimes I don't get things right. I put my foot in my mouth a lot. That happens pretty often. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, met, uh, metaphysically. So I'd probably be stuck uh, constantly. It would be, I feel like this also has somewhat of a Greek tragedy-ness to it, mm. where I would be, it'd be stuck in one place and like, well... You're you you made a mistake, Casey. You walked into the arboretum. You became a tree, which is your dearest thing that you would love to do, both literally and metaphysically. Right. And uh, but the problem is, um, every time someone tries to talk to you, your power is you can talk to them, but you always say something really dumb. Oh wow. Yeah. So as soon as they walk over, they say something. And I'm just like, oh yeah, your hair looks nice. And then they're they're like, well, that was super offensive for some reason. I don't. Know. <laughs> wow. Have you lost weight? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, wow. I'm are you, sick. Are you, yeah. I'm really sick. You're don't dick. tell people they've lost weight. Don't <laughs> yeah. come on comment on my body. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. That's what it is. That would be that would be something I I could see myself doing. Sometimes Great. I I talk a lot, and sometimes uh, I shouldn't. I see. Yeah. Well, wonderful. So oh, there this, we there we exist forever. Listen, there we exist in our in our tragic, ironic ways. That was Willy Wonka's Arboretum. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. Oh man! This week, our question is from Ashley Bui. Hi, Ashley. Possibly Bui. Ashley, I'm so sorry. Ashley calls herself Ash Tree. Ah, okay. Let's leave it at that. That's great. All right, Ash Tree says, "My name is." Ash Tree. Hello, Ash Tree. Currently a PhD entomology student ah. in her first year working on parasitic wasps. Sick. So I was collecting a lot of things that could possibly rear wasps, like scales, leaf miners, aphids. This is all a different language to me. I'm so sorry. Mm, that's all right. And I've and so I've been collecting a lot of galls. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Casey. Why are oak trees so susceptible to having galls, and why are there so many types, from stem galls to all the different leaf galls? And of course, we can't forget about 
the oak apple galls. Yeah, right? Most other plants just have one or two types of galls, but I've seen dozens when it comes to oaks. Hmm. The diversity of galls found on oak trees is astronomical, and I just want to know, what is it about oak trees that makes them so darn cool and diverse? Sincerely, Ash Tree. Ash Tree, thank you so much for writing. Casey, gall is starting to not sound like a word. Sounds a little galling to me. Yeah, I'm a galled. This is so curious. I have never even considered this question, nor have I ever actually had anyone even bring it up. Well, now's the time. Now's the time. Uh-huh. So, let's see. Let's let's ruminate on this for a little bit. Again, mm-hmm. complete speculation. This is why I love this podcast because they allow us to do this. Our producers are spectacular. Oh, yes. So, let's see. So, shout oh, out to the whole team. Yeah, shout out to the whole team. Honestly, you guys, we're going to take you out later. So, uh, let's see. So, the first thing that I think of is is that the oak tree is an amazingly diverse tree, and it grows in a wide, wide range of habitats. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it also generally will have um, kind of weirdly thick leaves a lot of the time, and the leaves tend to not decay quickly. Hmm. They have a lot of lignin in them. Uh, so if you have, say, a, uh, a tulip poplar, the leaves will hit the ground and fall. They'll be gone within days. Like, they immediately get eaten up. Oak trees will last sometimes on the tree, sometimes not on the tree, for years even. Like, I've seen them well afterwards. They just kind of sit there, very papery. Hmm. Um, so they're they're really, like, resistant trees. Like, they're, they're very well built um, in terms of their leaves, essentially. I'm sorry, uh, uh, especially. So... In that regard, that tells me that the leaves may be a good habitat. And if what could have happened is generally when you see something that is super prevalent in one genus or one specific kind of tree, you know, all the maples, all of the um, all the oaks, then especially when it comes to insects, especially wasp insects, which are so diverse, 750 species, 750 different species of figs, right? Yeah. So they are really able to speciate, have had this big boon. It very well could be that at some point a wasp learned how to um, get into an oak tree. And that one wasp or like this one you know, group of wasps ended up diverging as the oaks diverged as well. Um, and then mm. it could have been that one wasp uh, where you've imagined an oak tree as a habitat as one one unique niche i'm sorry not a niche one unique habitat just a whole ecosystem is this one tree right then if that one tree um you get one wasp that takes all the leaf surfaces it just it does really well on leaves so it chills there and then it starts to get the population to a very high, high density in this habitat, this one oak tree. Then you'll start to see over millions of years divergement into individual niches where you could have, well, this species of watch is, uh, wasp is going to go, instead of the leaf, this one's going to try it on the stem. This one's going to try it on the base of the leaf. This one's going to try it on the, the, the petiole of the leaf. This one's going to try it in the bud. This one's going to try it in the, uh, the flower bud as opposed to the acorn bud or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it could be that, that that's what happened. The big thing that I don't know about is uh, the species of wasp. If it's more or less one, one like clade, one individual group of wasps that have spread out and diversified from like one single ancestor, that single ancestor and the oak tree probably created this relationship. And then all of the subsequent species have also had that ability for that relationship. It's already kind of pre, uh, pre-done in their genes, right? 
it could be that if there are a bunch of different wasps who've come all to the oak tree, and for some reason, the oak tree itself is what is causing all these different species and varieties and unrelated different groups to come in and do this parasitism on them, then it could be a completely different situation where there's a habitat that is uh, that I don't know about. Maybe it is the structure of the leaves and the structure of the twigs, or um, there's a certain chemical compound that really works well when this wasp pokes into this tree the juice that it puts in there reacts specifically with this uh, with the genes or some very specific thing that only oak trees have does that kind of make sense yeah i think so yeah so it's yeah it's a bit i, I don't really have a good answer for hey, this I mean, i've I'll never th- asked it i've never even really considered it that, that was as good a theory as i've ever heard on yeah. uh the diversity of oak galls it might be yeah so i would i think the big question that we're left with is uh for ash tree to figure out mm-hmm. doing this phd um is it multiple different species that are unrelated, um, do not have a common ancestor, all going to the oak tree? Um, and then is there something specific about the oak tree chemistry that makes it conducive for this gall to develop? Maybe there's a certain chemical, there's a certain uh, hormone that only oak trees have that will always react in this one specific way. All you have to do is kind of put in the little building blocks to make it do a specific thing. I don't know. There you go. This is a good question. Thank you, Ashley, for that provoking question. Yeah. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. Or you can support the podcast on patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum for two two uh what are they called casey bonus episodes episodes, yeah a month or the cone of the month club and you get a unique die cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every single gosh dang month so beautiful casey we have come to the end of our season four finale this is amazing we've done 48 episodes we've taken one week off every season which adds up to 52 weeks that is one whole year according to our modern way of calculating it we did that math before we even started making this show. Yes, we did. Spectacular job with uh, adding and subtracting, Alex. Casey, we got to give a couple of shout outs here. Yes, please. We had some lovely guest chefs help us out this season. Mm-hmm. Amazing people. Daphne K. Jenkins, Shannon Feltus, Swati Katakar, Spencer Huey, Aaron Silverman, John Eads. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this season. And yes. for lending your passion and your uh, skill and know-how in food uh, to help us tell these stories. Yeah, 100%. And for this whole year, I don't know, it feels like we're just we're starting a whole new thing uh, next year uh, in a different way. Not to give it away, we'll tell you more about it. Do we want to say a little something about it? Maybe we should. Okay. But before we do, before uh-huh. we do, this feels like it's a, it's, a, it's a monumentous occasion. We've come this far and yeah. we're, we're continuing on. But one full circle feels really good to complete. So I want to make sure to shout out all the people that have helped us get here from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you bought an ad, thank you. That helped out. If you bought a <laughs> yeah. sticker, if you bought any clothes, um, let's see. My partner Hannah has helped us out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia helped us out at the very beginning, got yes. us started on the right moral trajectory. Um, your friend Jeffrey was absolutely a, a divine influence helping us like guide what we should do, when we should do it. Is this going to work? So some of these people helped just 
just keep pushing us along. It gave us the right support that we needed at the time, jumping into something we've never done before. Yeah, we are certainly not here by ourselves. No, although we, we generally are, we are not. <laughs> right, we are physically here by ourselves. Um, yeah, thank you to everybody who gave us an ounce of support at any time. Uh, Casey, creating this podcast, not I'm not going to get too sentimental. You go for it. But you asking me to make this podcast with you has literally changed my life. Mine too. Could not imagine my life without making this podcast. You have been uh, clearly instrumental in its success. Yeah. Um, and you've remained a good friend and a fabulous business partner. Yeah. Shucks. And to you, I say thank you. Well, Alex, you are welcome. And thank you. I've constantly said this that you are the creative force that has made this not just some boring guy talking about trees. I, I have an ability to to talk about trees for a really long time, <laughs> for better or for worse, but that does not a good podcast make. Sure. And without you, without being able to put it together and actually shining this little this little thing into this little gem that it is, mm. there's there's no way that uh, that it could have ever been successful. So without you, there would be no podcast. So I I can't think of a better person to ask. So thank you, Alex, for this this last year of adventure. Thank you for those nice words. And likewise, there would be no podcast without you. Yeah. Hey, it takes the two of us, it huh? It takes the two of us. Uh, Casey, let's tell the people what's happening now. This is so exciting, you guys. So up until now, for this whole year, we've done 12-week seasons, and each season has been themed. Yep. We are done with seasons. We decided to do away with it. Maybe we'll come back sometime. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, forget about it for now, though. Yeah, that's the right idea. This is like a this is like a girlfriend saying like, "Well, let's be friends for a while. Maybe we'll start dating again." Don't hold <laughs> on to that hope. It's 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 just a dangerous way to live. It's no fun. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Just move on, and if it happens, that's great. But you know, don't you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what we're calling this, uh, we have a couple names for it. Yeah, this. I wanted to call this this next year year two. Yeah. Just Casey flat out. Yes. Casey pitched the wonderful The Unseason. <laughs> um, it's going for also like a little culinary bit at the yes, end there. Yes, it's you perfect. Know? Now I it's, love now it. They're taking the seasoning away. Yeah. It's like The Undead, The Unseason. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so we're basically getting rid of seasons. We will now just have weekly episodes of this show. Yep. However, this lack of structure will allow us to do... You know, two-parters. And trilogies. And trilogies. And series. month-long themes. Yeah. Like four episodes in a month that all, all are about a theme. Uh, revisiting some trees that we have more to say about or that new stuff has come out about. That's true. Or that people have, you know, Fungal Associated Press. People have sent us news stories about, hey, did you know this side of the Douglas fir? Mm-hmm. Well, let, well let's, let's revisit it. Um <laughs> So this is basically we are we are we are now unleashed and we're gonna have a lot of fun. I, I promise you, it's gonna be fucking great. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of fun things planned. We got a lot of fun things planned, and it's going to be a. I, I'm just I'm so excited because it does. It's a little scary, like unhinging yourself and kind mm-hmm. of floating around. But at the same time, um, it's like we're, we've we just have collected pieces and we put it together, and now we have plans um, for several months right now. Yeah. And I think the season thing was really good for us to get started because yeah. it was like a nice creative leash. Yeah. We know what we're doing now. 
and we think it would be fun to do this. Yeah, so we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do it. Yeah. So then that's the nice thing. You know, we're going to try something new and see how it goes. Um, and we're pretty excited. I yeah. think it's going to be really great. So don't uh, don't listen and think, oh my God, I'm, there's no chance because we, we, we'll have the, the same kinds of structures to keep you, to keep things anchored. Yeah. But it will not be, uh, it will not be at, at a number of 12. It's not so restrictive, but yeah. we're still going to have, we're going to, st- we're still going to do stupid shit. Yeah. But so, now we get to do it a little, little more free flowing. Yeah, we're, we're still going to sing songs. Yeah, we're still going to we're still going to play a game. We're still going right. to hear Casey talk about a tree and wax poetic, and then give it a six point five. <laughs> we're going to have its overplanted merch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I I will also say possibly a slightly longer episodes. Oh, uh, we haven't really talked about this, but oh. and maybe this is a. A peek too far behind the curtain. A lot of our episodes, when we record them, come out to about an hour twenty. Yeah, and I edit down to about an hour. Yep. But gosh, if if we're if our if our if our bodies and minds are telling us that these episodes are an hour twenty, yep. which feels very natural to mm-hmm. us to record in an hour twenty, maybe we'll just have slightly longer episodes. Hey, you know at this rate, we're going to have four hour episodes by year two. That's so, right. By the end of year two, so stoked! Let's do it. God. That would be insane. It's going to be great. It's like, all right, um, for the first hour, we're going to be discussing the root systems. Mm. For the second hour, we'll discuss the branch systems. People would like that. For the fifth, sixth, and seventh hour, we will sing songs. <laughs> we're going to perform the entire, in the entire Beatles discography. Yeah, at the end of one episode. Yes. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah. You guys, thank you so much for everything. We're going to see you in the new year. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this year of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>